Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 33 of Revelation chapter 14. And we're going to be reading verses 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Well, um, in our last study, we were looking at verse 12 and the reference to here are they that keep the commandments of God. And we saw that this is a further emphasis by God to indicate that the elect are present. They are living on the earth in the day of judgment. Here is their patience. Here are are they that keep the commandments of God and only those people that God has saved can keep his commandments. Ezekiel 36 in verses 25 through 27 is very clear about that, that uh, God takes out the heart of stone. He gives a new heart and a new spirit. and And then he causes those that have received that new heart to walk in his statutes or to keep his commandments and and thereby they show forth love for God and and only as a result of him first loving them in saving them and um I, I'd like to look at just one more place in first Corinthians seven verses eighteen and nineteen that also makes mention of the keeping of the commandments, First Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 18. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. This this is a curious verse that makes us wonder, what is God trying to say? He's speaking of those that are called circumcised, those that are called uncircumcised, which we know would be referring to Jews and Gentiles. And then he, he says circumcision's nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. And, and, you know, there was a time wherein God commanded every male to be circumcised from eight days old and, and up. And it was a commandment of God for Israel that their males be circumcised. And if uh, a male were not circumcised, he was to be cut off. It was a commandment that God gave but we're living in a time, and it's been this way uh, throughout the church age, in which God does not command 
people to be circumcised. There's no need for us to be circumcised. And, 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 and we do this also by, uh, allowance as, as God has not commanded us to do it. And it really reveals that God's commands in the Bible, they, they have many of them, their proper season for obedience. God commanded the Jews to sacrifice. And a faithful Jew would have sacrificed or to go to Jerusalem in the, the set time to, um, observe the feast of Pentecost or the feast of Passover or the feast of ingathering and, and so forth. They, they were commandments by God that were to be obeyed by the Israelites in their proper season. Do we do any of that today? Do we sacrifice? No. Do we have to go to Jerusalem to keep um, a feast? Uh, no. Do we we have to be circumcised? The the males amongst us. No. Do we have to keep the seventh day Sabbath? Uh, and as Israel was commanded to keep the seventh day holy. No. No. But but we have our own, uh, or had in some cases, our own set of commandments for the New Testament believers. The seventh-day Sabbath was changed to Sunday, and Sunday became the New Testament Sabbath day. And and yet we have people today, they still say we we must keep the seventh-day Sabbath. Why do they say that? Because they see these commandments in the Bible and they read them out of their proper season or they understand them out of season. No, we don't have to observe the Saturday seventh-day Sabbath any longer, the seventh day of the week. God changed the Sabbath uh, when the Lord Jesus rose early Sunday morning uh, from the dead. And it became the first of the New Testament Sabbaths. And we no longer, um, need to be circumcised. We, we do not have to offer sacrifice because Christ is our sacrifice and so forth. But there are other commandments God gave for the New Testament believers that have also lost their significance because the season has turned or changed. And that is, in proper season, we were commanded to go to church on the Sunday Sabbath, to be in submission to elders that were over us, that, that had God-given authority. And yet, God has ended the church age, and the commandments that apply to the churches no longer are to be enforced. We're, we're not to uh, be in submission to elders and deacons or pastors. We're, we're not to go to church at this time any longer. The season has turned. And there was many commandments that God gave for the day of salvation. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures and, and find the unsaved Bring the gospel to them that they might hear and become saved if they were God's elect. Well, that 
had its season. And it is um, probably one of the biggest reasons that people go astray and go out of the will of God is when they insist on obeying a commandment that no longer is in force. It, it no longer is to be observed. And yet people, they, they don't understand. There's a time for everything under the sun. And as Ecclesiastes 3 lays out, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to uh, sow seed or gather seed and a time to pluck up and so forth. And and the time to sow was during the day of salvation. The time to pluck up or reap is now in the day of judgment. Everything in its season. And in order to keep the commandments of God, as Revelation 14 verse 12 says, here are they that keep the commandments of God. You must keep them in proper season. It is disobedient to be circumcised today as a, a religious act or or to do so to please God. No, no, the, the act of circumcision was something God commanded to point to the Lord Jesus Christ who would come forth through Israel and through the seed of David enter into the world and once Christ came, circumcision was done away. Likewise, sacrifice was done away. Likewise, the seventh-day Sabbath was done away. Christ was the fulfillment of the Sabbath rest. We rest in him. And the seventh-day Sabbath was fulfilled. Now, anyone who insists on doing any of those things, going to Jerusalem, um, offering sacrifice, circumcising their male children, or keeping the seventh-day Sabbath, is doing it out of season, and it is a rebellious act against God. Likewise, also, anyone continuing to go to church now at this time is doing a rebellious act. They are doing something out of season. It's it's no more... Uh, an act of obedience to go to church today than it would be to go to a synagogue uh, as the, the Jewish people continue to do. No, God ended his relationship with Israel almost 2,000 years ago. He ended his relationship with the New Testament churches and congregations in 1988 at the end of the church age. And and he has issued a commandment, he has brought it forth from his word to come out of the church. The church age is over. They no longer have any authority to function as a representative of God's kingdom. And, and therefore, anyone trying to go to church and worship God, which would have been a fine thing to do, the right thing to do, for the 1955 years of the church age, is now doing a rebellious thing, a sinful thing, something that goes against the commandments of God. So we see that God's commandments may change according to their proper season. And and therefore it is 
extremely important that we have an understanding of times and seasons, that we know the time for the church age, that we know the time for the great tribulation, the time, uh, that little season of the latter rain in which God poured out his word and saved a great multitude. These things are incredibly important. And, and that's why God opened up the scriptures to reveal these things to his people and to have them proclaimed throughout all the world that people might know the time had come for the great tribulation. The time had come for the day of judgment and so forth. And the true believers are they that keep the commandments of God in their proper time and season. Well, and then the last part of uh, Revelation fourteen twelve says, "And the faith of Jesus, and the the faith of Jesus Christ is the essence. He is the embodiment of faith. It is." Through his faith that we are saved, as we read in Galatians chapter 2, and I'll turn there and read this. Galatians 2, verse 16, says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And uh, uh, here the the statement is made that we're justified by the faith of Jesus Christ, and and it, it's uh, the little preposition of is important because um, it's in the genitive case, and it means belonging to. It is of Him salvation is of the Lord, the Bible tells us. Faith that saves is of Jesus Christ, which, of course, is um, very different than what the churches teach today and what the churches tell people. They say, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. And, and they change that word of, two letter word, a little word, and many people don't notice the change, and they've even changed the Bibles in many of the newer translations. If you read Galatians 2.16, it says the faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, it's, it's um, a little sleight of hand. Who will notice a little tiny preposition word? And yet it has a huge difference in meaning that we are not saved by our faith in Jesus Christ as, as that is the idea that is conveyed when, when that change is made. You have to believe. You have to do it. No, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, faith is a work. And that same verse, Galatians 2 16, says man is not justified by the works of the law. The whole Bible is the law of God. All the commandments are a law of God. People even admit the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's a commandment then, isn't it? For God is, is commanding, believe. And any act or attempted act of obedience to a command is a work. It, um, God says, keep Sunday the Sabbath. If you attempt to do so, that's a good work. It, it, God said to Abraham, offer thy son Isaac. Abraham attempted to do so. That was a good work. God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Any attempt to do so is a work. But any attempt to perform a work in order to get saved places the person under the whole law. Now, you don't have to just keep one commandment. You have to keep all the commandments of the Bible. You have to do so perfectly and keep the whole law of God if you're going to be um, justified through the works of the law. You can't offend in even one point or you're guilty of all. And and anyone who believes in a free will gospel of accepting Christ, of a person exercising their will to believe, is placing themselves under the works of the law, and they have brought condemnation down on their head. And when they share that with others, they're bringing condemnation down on the heads of others. They're placing themselves in an impossible situation whereby they must now keep the whole law. And that's how terrible it is. That's how awful it is. That that false gospel, that works gospel of accepting Christ, of of making a decision for him is is something that ruins people. It destroys the sinner because it's a promise of liberty. And yet the ones making the promise are themselves servants of corruption. They themselves are not free with the freedom that Christ gives to his elect people in setting them free from sin and death. Because salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the faith of Christ. That That's what Ephesians 2 tells us. Let me go over there in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, it, it's plainly stated in verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Well, there it is. We're... We're saved by God's grace through faith. Now here, not yet. God hasn't told us whose faith, but we are saved through faith. That's how important it is. And then it says, and that not of yourselves. And what? Faith. Faith that saves. And that faith not of yourselves. It's not your faith or my faith in Christ that saves, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is God's faith. It is the faith of that which belongs to God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through his faith and the faith that he demonstrated from the foundation of the world 
when he took the sins of his people and bore them, the Bible says, in his own body on the tree, that as he was accursed from the foundation of the world, he was the lamb slain for the sins of his people, and it was all done by his faith. We weren't even around. No man was around in any way. And and through that, God obligated himself to save the whole company of the elect that Jesus died for. And then throughout history, God has sent forth the gospel to redeem those that were chosen to receive that salvation, whose sins were forgiven. And God applied his word to their hearts and God saved them through the faith of Christ. And, and this is why, um, God's people are said to keep, uh, or let, let's go back to Revelation 14, 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the idea would be to keep the faith of Jesus. Now the faith of Christ also would involve the word of God, but it is salvation is of God. God's people keep that testimony. We maintain that we're not saved by works in any way. We're saved by the the action of Christ. God gets all the glory and all the honor and all the praise and and he did it all. Everything concerning salvation for sinners is a work that Christ performed, and that work demonstrated his wonderful faith. Well, now let, let's go on to verse 13 of Revelation 14, and it says, And I heard a voice from heaven, saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Isn't that unusual. Let's think about this. God is saying that there are a group of dead people and, and blessed are the dead, so they are dead, which die in the Lord from henceforth. Now, we wonder if they're dead, why do they have to die? And why doesn't this say, blessed are the dead which have died in the Lord? Past tense. But the Greek is not um, giving the past tense. It's actually a present active participle. Blessed are the dead which are dying in the Lord from henceforth. And we, we sort of scratch our heads. This is uh, very strange. Uh, the, the strangeness of it is, is compounded by its placement in Revelation 14, along with the previous verse and the whole context of Judgment Day. Why would God speak of the dead and say, Blessed are the dead which are dying in the Lord from henceforth? Now, we only have a few options. And um, we won't have time to go through all this now, but I can maybe present the options. One, it's referring to the physically dead, 
those that die physically. Two, it's referring to the spiritually dead, those that are dead in their sins. Or three, it's referring to, again, a spiritual death, but those that have died in Christ through salvation, yet are physically alive. Those are the options. Now, we can quickly do away with option number one. Blessed are the physically dead, which are dying in the Lord from henceforth. No, if you're, if you're physically dead, then you're not dying from that point on. You are dead. And, and dying is a process. Dying is something the living do. For instance, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we find the same, uh, word in, in the same tense, present active participle used concerning Jacob. In Hebrews 11, 20, 21, by faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship leaning upon the top of his staff. Now, Jacob was dying. He was in the process of dying physically, but he had not yet died. So it could not be said of him that he was dead and dying. No, he was still alive. It, it is the living that are in the process of dying. And and that means that Revelation 14, verse 13, cannot possibly be talking about the physically dead. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.